Well, good morning. That was sweet, wasn't it? Um, this is kind of crazy being up here. I got to tell you, um, this is a little bit, are you liking this? This is kind of like really different for us. Is this okay? I feel really weird because there's no uh, orchestra pit here. There's no moat, as I call it, that's like keeping me from you. I feel like this is dangerous. I could like get right up in your grill. And uh, I, I did notice that there is like, you left me a spitting section. So thank you for doing that. Uh, why don't we get our Bibles out and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the Bible app. You can find us there in more events. You'll find our church. You can just kind of follow along or you'll notice that our ushers are coming around. Uh, they would love to give you a, a physical Bible so that you can have that in front of you. We love to hear from God. And we are in a really important season in our church right now. We have been growing, and we're really thankful for that. And, and yet, in the midst of that, uh, we are pursuing community together. And i got to tell you, finding real community is one of the biggest constraints in Northern Virginia. Is it not? Isn't it one of the most difficult things to really have real relationships with people around here? And, and, and so we're starting this series. We, we want to take a look at the kind of community that we are pursuing, the kind of community that we need around here. And, and, and as we started our ministry year, uh, we, we, we started this 100 Stories initiatives. We want to see 100 stories of lives transformed by the glory of God. And as we were doing that, we kind of thought about like, well, what, what is life like here in Northern Virginia? We're trying to exegete our culture just a little bit. And we, we've noticed uh, some common experiences that we all share amidst the diversity that we have in Northern Virginia. So if I can do this, I just want to describe for you again what life is like in Northern Virginia, okay? We would say it this way. We are informed. We are informed around here. Uh, we, the world comes to us, and it watches what's happening in our backyard. The national news, it's our local news. And, and we are smart and educated. We have the best schools. We are aware and in the know. We're current. We uh, are diverse, and we see a bigger and yet shrinking world. We're informed. And we're also impressive. We like telling other people where we're from and what we do. And we're no really longer really shocked when we meet people that are uh, have prominent and highly influential jobs and positions, and we are brave, we are conversant in broken English, we eat food you've never heard of, uh, we are, uh, we, we're accomplished, we're important, we're proud of our position, our location, and who we know. And we're also independent. We have what it takes to survive D.C.'s culture in the Beltway traffic. And, and we're okay with crazy schedules and commutes that would keep other people away. And we are self-reliant and career-driven and strong and determined and proven survivors. And we're also intentional. Don't tell us we can't. We want to make a difference, and we have little doubt that we can change the world. We are driven and focused and cause-oriented, ready for a challenge, and we care about justice and social issues. But we're also isolated. We bump into a lot of people around here, don't we? But few people actually know us. And, and all of that, the, that, that pace of life, the rat race that we're on, and the diversity that we have around here, it, it really makes it easy for us to build walls and hard to connect. 
And so we become comfortable in a crowd of diversity while really starving for deep community. Now why do I say that again? I say that because God has called us to make disciples here. We want to fulfill the Great Commission, and that's making disciples. And so we got to think about what life is like right here. And the question is, how is that going to happen? How are lives going to be transformed here in Northern Virginia? Well, of course, we know the answer. The answer is the glory of God, right? That's what we've been looking at the last few weeks. It is God's glory that changes people's lives. But he's going to do it. Listen, listen. He's going to do it through the church. See, it's in the church where believers in Jesus, those that have just trusted in him for salvation, we begin to learn how to follow him and to live out this mission that we're on in what can only be described as an uncommon community. What we have is unlike any other community that you are going to find around here. It doesn't matter if it's in your your office or or your gym or your mom's group or your game day buddies or the bar or that cause that you march with or, or the people that you find out around here that grew up just like you did or the people that look just like you. You are going to find that what we have here is something completely different. So I'm telling you, if you are feeling any kind of pressure around here, if you are feeling the walls of division, if you feel the weight of isolation and you would say, yeah, like I'm starving for that kind of, I want those kind of relationships in my life. If you want that, then you need this church. You need this church. Because what we are pursuing here, this uncommon community, it's not like any other community. See, see, you think about it, like every other community that gets together, the reason that they're drawn to one another is because they either have common interests or they're just like close in proximity and so there's this kind of understanding it's like you know like I like you you like me as long as we don't get on each other's nerves we can hang out right like that's that's what normally brings people together this is different what we have here is bound by the love of Christ and what we have in this uncommon community we're composed of those who with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next That's not happening all around the world. But it happens in the church. And more specifically, uh, one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this is because uh, we're trying to pursue this. It's something that we have in Christ. but We want to pursue it. And the way that we do that in, in, in Harvest is we have small groups. We have small groups of people. And the reason that we do that is because we know how easy it is to kind of slip in here and slip out on Sunday and You never have to love anybody. You never have to forgive anybody or encourage anybody or bear anybody's burdens or serve anybody. It's just easy to kind of come in and soak it all in and leave. And you're not really growing as a disciple. But if we're going to have something special, something that people would look at and say, that's something crazy uncommon. We're going to pursue it when we get closer together in our small groups. We start having real relationships with real people and we start seeing real change. And, and so one of the things we've also noticed is as we've been growing, this is a good problem to have. It's kind of a headache, but it's, I'll take it. Uh, our, our growth has kind of outpaced our multiplication of small groups. And so one of our goals in the next month is we're going to try to go from five small groups and multiply to eight small groups. And, and the reason that we're doing that is we're, we're saying we want more smaller groups as soon as possible. 
we have some groups, we have like four groups that are literally like 15, 16 people. And quite frankly, you're trying to find a small group within your small group. And it, you don't wanna, we don't want people falling through the, the cracks. We want people that are cared for and that are loved and that you can be vulnerable and be known and you can serve. And so we're pursuing that together. And so the question is, what, what should this community really look like? And that's why we're starting this series. I want to give you a big idea from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here it is if you're taking notes. Because of Jesus, you are a part of this uncommon community. And we belong together. If you have trusted in Jesus to save you from your sins, then you are a part of our uncommon community. And we belong together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to start reading in verse 12. If you're there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Let me just read two verses to start off with here. Paul says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So in this text, what we're going to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think we're going to see three realities of this uncommon community. So here in these first two verses, we get this one. I think it's kind of obvious. If you're taking notes, note this. God made us one. God made us one. And Paul starts to give us this, this imagery. Okay, he's like, All right, can I tell you about the church? I just want to tell you what the church is like for just a minute. The church is kind of like a body. Y'all got bodies. You wouldn't be here if you didn't, right? And, and, and when we learned early on, when we were really little, we started learning that our bodies have a lot of different parts. Remember the song like head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and, you know what I'm talking about? Like don't leave them hanging up here. Like you know what I'm saying. And, 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 and then it's really cute when the babies, they start like figuring this out and they can point to like, you point to your nose, point to your ears, point to, it's super cute. So they start to learn that their bodies have many parts except it's still just one body. Which is why you also learned early on in life that you are held responsible for what your body parts do. So if you went up and like kicked another kid, you didn't get out of it by trying to say like, well, technically I didn't. It was my foot that, that kicked the kid, right? It didn't work out so well. Like, like Ben was playing guitar and leading worship this morning. Now we don't say, well, really it was Ben's hands that were playing the guitar. It was, it was his vocal cords and it was mouth. And we just say Ben was playing guitar Ben was leading worship for us. So if you have trusted in Jesus, what, what Paul is telling you is, you are part of the whole. So it is with Christ. We, because of Jesus, have been made one. And here's how we did it, verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized. Now, that's not talking about water baptism, okay? So last week, we had like three guys that got baptized. We dunk them under the water. That's not being baptized in the spirit. That's just water baptism. And we said this, and I want this to be really clear. Baptism doesn't save you, okay? That is an outward expression of an inward reality. Jesus has saved me. Jesus has changed my life. I just want to publicly declare that, and I want to live my life for him. That's what you're doing when you get baptized in the water. So when he's talking about being baptized in the Spirit, what in the world does that mean? Well, well that happens at conversion. There is a moment where you trust 
Jesus for salvation and you are saved from your sins through your faith in Christ in that moment. And I know that like, there's a story leading up to that, and there, but there is a crisis moment where I began to understand I'm a sinner and I'm a mess and I can't save myself and I need Jesus. He paid for my sins. In that moment, you are saved and the scriptures helps us understand then we are baptized in the spirit. It happens one time. It only happens one time. And there are some that would want to tell you that there's a, there's a second baptism in the Spirit. That's really just false teaching, and it's not helpful. It, it, it messes with our understanding of salvation, and it really causes this sinful spiritual elitism. And a lot of people kind of associate it with uh, speaking in tongues. Like, like, like you're, you need to receive the second baptism, you know. Where, and what happens is people are like, well, that's... A, you know, like you're not a real Christian until you get that. You need the second baptism of the Spirit. And everybody else is kind of like, well, uh, apparently I'm, this isn't real. And you look at those people's relationship with God. And, listen, listen, it happens one time. How many times does it happen? You're baptized in the Spirit once at conversion, the moment you are saved. But even though it's a baptism in the Spirit, it's actually the work of Christ. You know that? Because Mark chapter 1 uh, John the Baptist, you remember that guy? He's going around, he's dunking people in the water. He says to them, John, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 8, uh, John says to his disciples, he says, hey guys, I have baptized you with water, but he, Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So this is the work of Christ. This is what Jesus does to us. And so what Paul is trying to help you understand is, God did this. He made you a part of it. You didn't baptize yourself. You didn't insert yourself into this body. You didn't sign up, fill out an application, join up. God is the one who brought you together. And so that's really significant for us because it means that only through Jesus are you going to find real community. Only through Christ are you going to find what's really uncommon. It's, it's what makes us one. And the world can't have that. They don't have that kind of unity. And that is a reality that we enjoy in Christ. Let me say that again. It's a reality, meaning it's not an option. So, so you got some people that are like, you know, like, I, I want Jesus to save me from my sins. Yeah, but um, I got to think about that whole, like, church thing, you know, like, that, like body thing. Can, can I opt out of that? Is that, is that possible? Like, like I'm, the idea, like, me and Jesus, I'm cool with that, but I'm not sure that I really want everybody else in my life. And do you hear, you know people like this that think that they, I, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I don't need the church. I don't need other people in my life. Well, Paul would tell us that a lone believer or an isolated Christian is really a theological oxymoron. It's not possible. We belong together. And, and, and it gets even crazier than that. Look at verse 13. For, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. So those are people that didn't normally mesh. Those are people that didn't normally hang out. And so what's happening is Paul is telling us that it does not matter who you are, your past, your parents, your occupation, the color of your skin, or the cost of your clothes. Jesus makes us one. And there's no walls of division. There's nothing. He's the one who has broken down the wall of hostility, and he's brought us together. So we need to fight for that. We need to enjoy the relationships that we have with one another and let nothing divide us. This is what Christ has done. Do you understand the implications of this for your small group, for the people that you're sitting next to you right now? 
This means that the one thing, the only thing, the one thing that makes us one, that unites you and me, is not that we like the same things. It's not that we live close to each other. It's not that our kids are about the same age and so they get to hang out and it's just kind of like, it just feels right. It's, it's, it's not even that we actually enjoy hanging out and spending time with one another or, or, or that we just feel like we just have this natural connection and it just, it flows and, and, and I can just be vulnerable. I can just talk about anything. And like, that, that is not the one thing that, that brings us together. The one thing that makes us one is that Jesus died for my sin and he died for yours and he has forgiven us and he has baptized us in his spirit and he has made us one together. It's Jesus that brings us together. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to come into church. You're going to go into small group and people that are used to common community. Again, they're looking for people that they like, people that like them, people that share common interests with them. And so they're going to be looking at us. Going to, and it's kind of shocking when they look around. They're like, this doesn't really make sense because you people don't really seem like you'd belong together. But what might seem silly or even scandalous to the world is what Christ does in the church because we belong together. I love these words from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor in World War II um, in Germany. I was reading uh, one of his works this week and uh, he just said, hey, we need to not take advantage or take for granted the fact that we get to live together with other believers, that is a special thing. That is the grace of God. Listen to these words. He said, the more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us receive. And the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and His work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. Our most important connection is Christ. And that's what we're pursuing when we get together in our small groups. That's the kind of unity that we want. And we say this, that like small groups is the, the place where the church gets messy. You know that, right? The more you hang out with people, you start to realize, like, like okay, by the way, Jesus died for you, meaning you're going to live with Jesus. That means you're going to live with people sitting next to you forever, too. Right? And some of you are like, that's not great news. But it really is. So you might as well get used to it, right? We are going to be living together for all of eternity, even though we, we, we can start that now. We can start living together now, despite the fact that we're still not yet perfected and we still struggle with sin. And, and if we can just be honest, I'm kind of hard to get along with every once in a while. Like it's kind of hard to live with me. And the problem is we begin we get this temptation to kind of dis- distance ourselves from certain people. Or, or, or once we have found people that we like and, and, and that we really get along with, and we want you to have that. We want you to have people that it's like, it's just natural, we love it, it's awesome. But you know, once I find those people, I got my people, then it's that much harder to be willing to open up and to try to encourage other relationships and to pursue other people that, like, you know what, I, I'm just not sure about those people yet. And Bonhoeffer would also tell us that we need to be careful of holding up an ideal 
You see, we, we, we get this idea of like, I just want, I want friends. I want people that it's just going to be natural. It's never going to be awkward. It's just going to flow. It's going to be awesome. And we hold up this ideal. Listen, the reality is sitting right next to you. And Jesus has brought us together. I was talking with Matt about this this week, and he said, we need to aim higher. Aim higher. We don't just need a social institution around here. We have the body of Christ, and it does not matter our differences. It does not matter that we don't like the same things or that we don't live just down the street from one another. It doesn't matter that we don't have similar schedules or we don't have kids or you do have kids or we're not in the same stage of life, and maybe you're trying, and and, and the conversations just doesn't flow, and it doesn't feel like a natural fit, but let's get fired up and excited about what we do have in common. We have uncommon community because of Jesus. And I just got to say, I'm, so, I'm, I'm fired up and I'm thankful for those of you that are so committed to this. I love seeing when, when, when you're willing to just embrace this and invite more people into this community. We want to make disciples here. And so many of you have demonstrated a willingness. And what I'm asking, I'm urging, is that we would keep pursuing this. That we would want to see our body one and united and let nothing divide us. Let nothing divide us. Sometimes it's easier for us to see uh, the spirit of division in other people. But it's, it, it's easier for us to, you know, kind of rationalize our fears and the hesitancy that I feel sometimes to cross barriers in order to pursue community. And we, we, we would hate that division, right? We, we, listen, we, we march against white supremacy. We decry racial profiling. We will champion that we have unity in Christ because it's a gospel issue. What I'm asking is that we will continue to apply the gospel with the same passion to my attitude towards the people that I'm sitting next to in church or in my small group. This is what brings me together. This is what I'm here one thing, the most important thing, and the best thing that we have in common is Christ. So God made us one. Here's the second reality. God made us diverse. God made us diverse. Now, follow along with this, it just kind of makes sense. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So he's just going to take this imagery of the body of Christ, and, and he's going to stretch it out a little bit. And I love this. Of course, like, we know like feet don't talk. That's kind of weird. He's like, using some personification. And, and, but I'm asking the question, verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Why would a foot say that? Have you ever thought about that? Well, in order to really understand what Paul is talking about here, we kind of have to understand the argument. Like what he's addressing, context here, he's addressing division that's in the church, specifically division that's over their spiritual gifts. So the church, they all have spiritual gifts and they're serving and yet because of this, they're, it's causing a rift in their community. And we've talked about spiritual gifts before, but just so that we're all on the same page, maybe this was helpful. I'm going to put a definition on the screen 
of, of what a, a spiritual gift is. So what we know what we're talking about. A spiritual gift is a God-given, God-empowered ability to serve that builds up God's church. It's a God-given, God-empowered ability to serve that builds up God's church. And, and, and so you see the context. Look at verse 4. Uh, look up at verse 4 so we get a little bit of running start. We know why he's making this argument. Verse 4, he says, Now there are a variety of gifts, lots of them, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers, there's that word, empowers them all in everyone. Now look at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. means you have a gift of the Spirit. You have a spiritual gift. Well, what am I supposed to do with it? Well, it says right there, verse 7. It's for the common good. So we're not looking for a community that, that, that's just going to serve me and meet my needs and make me happy. That's what everybody else is looking for. That's common community. They're just looking for a place that's going to make them happy and give them a sense of fulfillment and make sure that they're cared for and all their needs are met. God has gifted you to serve and to build up the church. He's, he wants you to be a part of something way bigger than you. But what was happening in the Corinthian church is that somehow they had elevated uh, certain gifts as more important than others. They're like, well, this gift, this is like way better than that gift over there. And so what was happening is everybody wants that gift. And it, and it was probably a, a flashy gift. It, it was likely because of the context and what he continues to go on and talk about in the next couple of chapters, it was probably something like speaking in tongues. Which, I mean... Like, if we see that, that's pretty crazy, right? Somebody speaking in a different tongue, that's, that's awesome. And look at that person's relationship with God, and they're so connected to the Spirit, and everybody notices it. And so, so everybody wants that gift. But the problem is, if, if, if some believers did not have those gifts, then here's what they're saying. Oh, I'm just a foot. I'm not a hand. Or I'm just an ear. And because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. So they're over here in the corner kicking dirt with this like, woe is me attitude because uh, my gifts are kind of second rate and it's not as important as everybody else's. Maybe, maybe you struggle plugging in and being a part of the church here at Harvest because you don't feel like you bring a lot to the table. Or you come here and we got some there's some awesome people. And you see them serving and you see that they're like gifted and, and the Spirit's empowering in them. And they're impacting the church and you see it. You can see the fruit and you're looking at, you're like, I just, I just don't feel like I have a lot to offer. And so I, well, God's Word would say a few things to you. What Paul is saying is, don't disengage. It's not humble. And it doesn't even work. See, see, when someone's down on themselves, we might seem like we need to bolster their self-esteem so, you know, so that they'll snap out of it and they want to be a part of it. But if we're honest, that attitude of, well, I don't feel like you guys need me, or I just don't feel like anybody wants me. I'm just going to take my ball and go home. Or, or, like, I just don't feel like I have a lot to offer. So for now, like, you know, like maybe, but for now, I'm just, I, I'm just not going to be a part. Can I tell you, that's actually really self-centered. It's not humility, it's pride. It's pride that would cause me to think too highly of myself 
that I would allow myself to feel left out. To not be noticed and to not have people that appreciate. And so I just won't be a part of it. You're not helping. And can I tell you, it doesn't even work. Look at what he says, verse 16. If, if, if they say that, if, you, if you're like, oh, I, just, I'm just, I just don't belong, that would not make it any less part of the body. I just don't want you to miss the gospel here, okay? Don't miss the gospel on this. You are not a part of this body because of your gifts and how you can serve and what you bring to the table. You are a part of this body because of Christ. We love you. And we're so glad that you are a part of this church. And it's not because we're so impressed with your performance. You don't have to perform to impress us. We love you and we're thankful that you're a part of this because you belong to Jesus. And so we belong together. And don't miss the obvious. We kind of need the diversity, don't we? That's what he's saying in verse 17. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? So, so your gifts might be different. I get that, but we kind of need it. It's, it's absurd to think about a body that has, well, I mean, th- think about it, like one giant ear. That's all it is. It can't go anywhere. It has no feet, and it really can't hear because it has no brain that it's connected. It's basically worthless, okay? So if we were to press that imagery into the church, let's just, like, can we just imagine that, let's, let's say we all have the same gifting, okay? I'm, I'm just going to uh, bless you. We're all going to have the same gifts here. You, I'm going to make you all teachers. You, you cool with that? We're all teachers. Everybody has the gift of teaching. We have like 100 teachers. And, and, and here's the thing. Uh, you, you, because we're so committed at Harvest to plugging you into, into ministry, we've got to find a way for you to serve. And so if everybody's a teacher, well, I guess we're probably going to have to get classes. We're going to start classes. Everybody gets their own class. Everybody, because everybody has their own ministry. Problem is nobody's going to be there to listen. And if everybody has the gifts of teaching, but no one has the gift of, of leading, or, or, or no one has gifts of mercy or gifts of generosity, then eventually what's going to happen is we, we're, we're going to be this cold, uncaring church that has no directions, not really going anywhere, completely bankrupt, but we're highly educated. How many of you really want to be a part of that church? Anybody signing up for that? Now watch this, watch this. Uh, I, I want you to respond here. How many of you uh, legit think that you might have the gift of teaching, like that you've seen God work in your life in that way. Like, okay, yeah, I know. I, I know a few of you. Like, you better get your hands up. Notice that it's not everybody. And that's okay. That's okay. In fact, the diversity is actually beautiful, and it's by God's design. God has uniquely gifted you so that you, when you are serving in the way that he has designed for you and he's empowering you to do that, you are helping this uncommon community fulfill the great commission. So what that means is don't not participate because if you are, you might be rebelling against God's design. Look at what he says, verse 18. Verse 18 says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Who chose? He did. God did. God gifted you, and he placed you in this church just the way he wanted it. That's his design. Do you think God makes mistakes? God does not make mistakes. Do we believe that? Why don't you turn to your neighbor next to you and just let him know. God does not make mistakes. Come on, let's pursue this together, church. So, so, hey, however God has gifted you, we want you to plug in and we want you to serve. We want you to embrace the way that God has gifted you. Don't hold back. Participate. We want you in this church. We want you to start serving. 
One of the best ways you can do that, I announced it this morning, you go on our Next Steps page, you'll find places that we can plug you in. And I know many of you right now, you're thinking about, you're like, but I don't really know what I'm gifted at. I don't know my spiritual gifts. You know what the best way to find your spiritual gifts is? Start serving. Just plug in and start serving. We've got all sorts of things for you to do. We want you to be a part of this. We're, we're building God's church here, and we're encouraging one another as we do it. So if you would just dive in, you'll start to see how God empowers you to bear fruit and to build up the church. So we belong together. together. God has made us one. God has made us diverse. And then lastly, this. God has made us for one another. God has made us for one another. Verse 21 Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor, to the part that lacked it, that there may may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. I think this is pretty clear, isn't it? The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. What he's basically saying is, you need the other parts of the body. Don't exclude any brother or any sister. Now, I know that none of you would be that overt. We don't walk around the church and say, don't need you in the church, don't need you. We certainly don't need you. You can stay. We don't need you. We don't go around doing that. But if we're not careful, we actually can start to believe it, can't we? Those people that are coming in that are, that are new, and I don't really know them real well, and I'm not real sure about them. Or... The people that you do know, and you are sure that they're a lot of hard work and, and trying to love them and care for them is going to be a real challenge. Listen, like I, I get it, but may we never be a church that essentially is saying, listen, I, I've got my friends. I've got my ministry. I don't really need any other relationships in my life. And so, and I really hope somebody connects with you, but it's not going to be me. I, I, wouldn't, I, I might not say that, but I, I want to be careful that I'm never essentially telling somebody, I have no need of you. So Paul is confronting some people who think that they're inferior and so they don't want to be a part. And while others think that they're superior to others, and so they don't want certain people to be a part, both really are just thinking about them. And it's that kind of self-centered thinking that is so divisive in community, isn't it? This rips communities apart. And you can think of all, people, all sorts of communities, groups, organizations, uh, you know, uh, classes, like whatever, even churches that have been ripped apart because people were just thinking about themselves. It has this spirit of, if my interests aren't being met, well, then it's just not really worth my investment. And I wouldn't say it, but we need to be really careful. I need to be careful that I don't only think about how is this group going to uh, make me feel. What, are, are they going to love on my kids? Are they going to take care of me? Are they going to add something to my life? And 
Am I going to get good conversations out of this? Is this going to, uh, is this going to help me? Is, am I going to get better ministry opportunities? I'm telling you, if you're just focused on yourself, really, you're going to be really disappointed. Because at some point, the closer you get to us, we're, we're going to hurt you. We're probably going to offend you at some point. You're going to find out that we're not perfect. But what I'm urging you is that we would aim higher for the reality of what Christ has done. Why? This is the way that God has designed it, verse 25, so that there may be no division and that we'd all have the same care for one another. So instead of coming and saying, well, what am I going to get out of this? I'm coming and saying, how can I serve you? How can I care for you? How can I love you? Can I help you? Can I pray for you? What kind of a community would we be if that spirit permeated our church? It's the spirit of the gospel. It's, it's, it's the same attitude that Jesus had, right? He's the one who said in Mark chapter 10, he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What if we had a community that instead of coming in and saying, I need, I need, I need, we came in and just, I'm here for you, and I'm here for you, and I'm here for you, and you are loved, and I mean that. I want to demonstrate it for you. I love I see this happening. Uh, so many of you are just so committed to this and pursuing these relationships. And then I know your pastor comes in and makes it hard because I'm, I come in and I say, okay, scoot over on the couch. We need to make room for some new people coming in, which we're really excited about. And I'm so thankful that many of you are committed to this. I get it. I know it can cost you something. I know that you might have to sacrifice. But can we just be committed to this? That we would say, I surrender all. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a part of this. I want to be on mission and including as many people as we can in the body of Christ and seeing the kind of community. I'm telling you, it is so worth it. It is so worth it to have a community that eventually what's going to happen is we're going to suffer together. We're going to, we're going to rejoice together. We're going to care for one another. Because we're not focused on ourselves, we're focused on one another. So are we going to be an uncommon community where it's obvious that it's because of Jesus that we belong together and we're committed to that. I just want to invite you to be a part of it. We love what God is doing here. And don't come in thinking that we're the perfect church. I'll tell you right up front, we're not. It won't take you long to figure that out. But we would love for you to connect with us. One of the best ways you can do that is to join one of our small groups. You can connect with us on our Next Steps page. We'd love to get you connected to other people. We want you to have real friends real relationships with real change. And it's an opportunity for you to say, doesn't matter what it costs me, doesn't matter what I'd have to give up, I'll surrender that because I want to follow Jesus. Father, I just pray that you would make that a reality in our church. Thank you for what you've done. You brought us together. And in, quite frankly, you bring some people together that the world would look at and say, it doesn't seem like you really belong together, and yet we do because you've saved us from our sins. You have forgiven us and you have baptized us in the Spirit. So I'm praying that even right now, we would just enjoy a moment of unity in the Spirit as we sing praise to you and declare to you that we're willing. God, I'm willing to give up a little bit, to sacrifice a little bit. I know it's going to cost me something, but I surrender those things because I want to be on mission with this church to take the 
gospel to the nations. God, the nations are right here at our door. What an awesome opportunity we have to love these people. And we be a church that when we say you are loved, we really mean it. Lord, I pray that you just encourage us, still this in our heart, recommit our lives. May you get all the praise and the glory because you deserve it. And we pray these things in Jesus.